Hello everyone, we are back. This is Ridgefield Tiger Talk. I'm your host, Dr. D. Santis, and we are so excited to kick off the third season. Yes, three seasons right now of Ridgefield Tiger Talk, the Ridgefield Public Schools podcast. And joining me today on the inaugural show of the third season is Kim Moran. You are our district technology integrator. Uh, so glad to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Um, could you just give us a brief description of uh, like what your job title is for the district and how long you've been here in Ridgefield? Sure. Excited to be here. This is my 24th year in teaching in wow. RPS. And that entire time I have been a district technology integrator. So I work with teachers to help build lessons that integrate technology. I co-teach using technology in the classroom do professional development for staff. So kind of a full gamut of using technology in education. It's great. Anytime you'll see either Kim working directly with their teachers, training them on tech or, sh or showing off some cool new things we found, mm -hmm. or you're working directly with students too. Yes, my uh, favorite part. <laughs> it is the favorite part for all of us. It really, really is. Uh, and it's exciting too, because Kim's like that person that you go to when you just want to know all the cool stuff out there. I go to you all the time. I'm like, what's like a cool thing that we're doing for fifth graders in literacy? And she's like, oh, I got yeah. things, you know. <laughs> cool stuff, yes. Um, so we're so happy to have you on the show. Uh, and uh, just a little... Uh, house cleaning here for the podcast. As people know, this podcast is for Ridgefield Public Schools. And we, we cover all sorts of topics that have to do with Ridgefield Public Schools. Every once in a while, we might have a guest on from the town. So we might be getting some guests as the year goes on, where they'll talk about certain cool functions happening in the town that might be, I would say, educational adjacent. But most of the time, we just cover all the cool happenings of Richfield Public Schools. Uh, the podcast we try to do every Friday. Um, it comes out Friday morning. But as you know, it is a school system, so we have holidays. Uh, schedules change. Sometimes we cannot get a show in that week because the person who was going to be on just couldn't be on for many, many different reasons. Uh, so we do try to make it every week, but sometimes we don't. But when you don't have a show, the nice thing is we have well over 50 shows that you can always go back and listen to with lots of great guests. Uh, some of the shows are timely, but a lot of them are not. A lot of them you can listen to right now and learn a lot of really cool things from. So uh, as always, just uh, you'll see in the superintendent's weekly letter that goes out uh if there's a new show it'll say like hey there's a new show this week covering x y and z and uh today's show we're going to be talking about district technology because that's our forte uh that's my forte and also kim's mm -hmm. but it's something that i feel i get a lot of questions about from pta members and just parents in general uh, a lot of times sometimes they don't listen to the board uh, meetings, or they might not read all the communications that come out, you know, at the very beginning of the year, as a parent, you're getting like a million emails from your principal, teachers, the district, and then you get stuff from tech, it just falls to the cracks. And sometimes they're like, how does the tech work in the district? And today we're going to remove all the mystery from that. Everyone will know. Everyone will know, right? Nice and easy. Uh, so I think the, the first question is, like what is what's the the current status of student technology, right? What 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 does my child get when they come into Ridgefield Public Schools? And we have a few different tiers of how we handle technology. 
uh, beginning with kindergarten through grade three. We call this classroom Chromebooks. That means every classroom has enough Chromebooks for each student at all times. That also means that they're not being used all the time. We've talked to many parents and uh, one of the biggest concerns for the young kids is screen time. And we really do want to limit screen time. We want them to have those enriching moments where kids are reading physical books and they're writing with pencils and pens and, and all that other great, amazing stuff uh, that comes with being uh, a second grader. Yeah, all those great things. But at the same token, we, we recognize that technology is incredibly important for learning the classroom uh, and other other life skills. So the those are classroom Chromebooks. The other issue, which I hope we'll never, ever, ever have to do use again, is if there is a distance learning moment, those kids can grab those Chromebooks and take them home. And we have enough for everyone. Then uh, fourth and fifth graders get a uh, the beginnings of what we call digital citizenship, where in fourth grade, you're given a Chromebook that you get to keep for two years. And sometimes the teachers will have them keep them home. They'll be bringing it back and forth each day. Sometimes they're told to bring them in for testing, but those are their Chromebooks to work with at home. There's an expectation that there's some work being home. All in the elementary level, so K through five, we have a very restrictive view of how the Chromebook works. So parents are always asking us, like, are there filters on the Chromebooks? Absolutely. Do those filters work at home? Absolutely. I cannot, and I, I know it's so fun, like, uh, parents will say, like, well, my, if my kid uses my personal iPad, can you put a filter on that? And sadly, we can't, right? <laughs> it's not our device. But uh, if they are working on a district Chromebook and they are K through five, it is a pretty lockdown experience. They don't even have a functioning email address. It's basically a portal to Google Classroom, the Google apps within uh, the teacher usage and what they allow. Uh, even YouTube is heavily policed in a way where they have to kind of go through this special view thing to even watch like a YouTube video. And even then the YouTube video has to meet so many criteria to be allowed on that lock. So the elementary level is a very lockdown experience. And we do that on purpose because it's age appropriate. And then as we move further up, we'll be talking more about how digital citizenship works in a moment. Uh, the middle schoolers, uh, and when I enter sixth grade, I get another new Chromebook. So I hand back my old Chromebook at the end of fifth grade. Uh, and then I get one for sixth grade. I keep that for three years and I get elevated rights. So now I get an email address, but it only works internally. So I can only email my fellow students and my teacher. Uh, we, ha we have allowed some instances if there's a special case where a kid might need to email something outside of the uh, domain, but you're 99.9% .9 of the time it's locked down. They can't even do that. They get a little bit more privileges in web browsing and a few of the other Google apps, but it's still a decently locked down experience. Then when we get to high school, high school is a little different, right? You are becoming an adult. We're trying to foster positive habits, but also give the freedom that one would have as becoming a young adult. And that you have two paths at the high school. One is in ninth grade, you could just take a district Chromebook. The Chromebook is less locked down than it would be in the middle school. So there's less filters. There's still some filters, but there's less filters. They have more access to open things like YouTube and other websites. And they have a fully open public email. This is very important because these kids are going to be emailing for projects. They're emailing for colleges and scholarships. So it's very important that these students have an open 
email that's connected to an educational institution. It's also a great way for them to get discounts and other cool things. Uh, but also at the high school level, we allow BYOD, bring your own device. So students may opt to not take a district device in, the, in high school and just choose to use their own device, a MacBook, Windows machine. We even have a few, few kids who are like, I'm going to use a Linux computer. And it's like, be my guest. <laughs> um, and that's how technology works at the student level. We are currently working on upgrading all the technology in the district, in the classrooms. If you've noticed, a lot of the classrooms have those smart boards with a projector and the, the teacher can write on it. Well, we are replacing all of those with a ViewSonic 65-inch television. And it's great because doesn't need a projector bulb. It's much higher resolution. The other ones are standard resolution. This is high def 1080p, uh, very bright, uh, uses much less electricity. So it's great on our power bill. Uh, it's just a, a winning device all the way around. And it's what happens when technology moves forward. Uh, so that's kind of the other cool project we are working on uh, in terms of just technology deployment this year here at Ridgefield Public Schools. The uh, other big project we've been working on is just to get kids to learn about digital citizenship in general. We are starting a digital citizenship curriculum K through 12. And it's you know very basic at the low level and middle school to middle and high school, there's more freedom. So we're focusing on different items. And to talk about digital citizenship, that's why I have you on the show, Kim, today. <laughs> I know I've been doing the bare share of the talking right now, but I wanted to, uh, I wanted to answer a lot of questions I get when I'm out in the community. And I feel this is a great way. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you know that there's like four friends that would totally benefit, just share the podcast with them. Be like, hey, you know what? Listen to the first few minutes of this podcast. This guy, Dr. D, just explains everything <laughs> on how it works here in Ridgefield. And of course, uh, you can always reach out to any of us. The best way to get in contact with uh, technology is helpdesk at ridgefieldps.net and uh, ask, your, ask away your question and we will find you the right person to answer it. Uh, so, Kim, what is digital citizenship? Well, digital citizenship is teaching our students how to be responsible in learning with the technology and creating and participating using Chromebooks, iPads, any kind of technology that they're out there using and having them be good, responsible digital citizens using these digital platforms. So it's been great this year. We've started kicking off at the elementary level. We've picked a few themes that we're piloting for grades three, four, and five right now. And the um, library media centers are kind of organizing and brainstorming some examples and lessons that they're doing for those grade levels. So it's been, it's been exciting. So for example, we had um, one of our lessons be about this super digital citizen. So Ooh. we use common sense media as our foundation in reviewing those lessons. And then the teachers uh, have the ability to be more creative and add some um, engaging experiences in those lessons. And we have great lessons where they've created a superhero in the makerspace at that uh, LLC, where they use toilet paper rolls and put capes and eyes on, on their uh, superheroes. And then they've used the iPad to actually record a short skit with a green screen expressing what they learned 
in that particular lesson. I think that was a, a visit to Veterans Park, right? Yes. They were doing that. And, yes. and, and, and all the elementary schools are doing these, these cool items. I, I heard a, a statement said about these young kids these days, this young, up and coming young generation, that they are digital natives. Absolutely. And, and I think that's a big term because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not that old, but you know, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm about 40 years old. I grew up in the nineties in terms of my, my, uh, teenage years. And that was the, the beginning AOL prodigy yeah. internet. And that was like the big, Oh, the dial up modem and all that other <laughs> stuff. But I wouldn't say I was a digital native because I, if I went to the library, I'd have to if I wanted to find out information, I'd still have to like go to the library, use the card catalog. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if it was if it was a Tuesday night at nine o'clock and someone called the house, I would get in trouble because there's <laughs> no text messaging back then. There's no cell right. phones. Right, right, right. You know, so uh, we all have these memories. People my age, maybe a little bit younger, and of course older, have those memories of how the world was. And of course, the kids don't. Like they, they have no. their entire existence has been bathed in technology. Yeah. Uh, and it, we feel now as a district, it's our job, just like how a school system would teach manners, right, and teach how to interact with with peers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, now this is another dimension. We right. have a new world that the kids are, are growing up in. And it would be foolish for a school system not to look at how how do I present myself in the digital realm mm -hmm. as, a, as a person. And what we do is we start young, you know, we start with very basic things uh, at the like with the little little kids. It's basically like basic care and feeding of the computer, right? You know, you know, right. don't, don't, don't spill apple juice in the keyboard and keyboarding skills and stuff like that. And then once we get the third grade, we start actually talking about, um, uh, being really safe cool online being and, safe and being respectful of your devices, taking care mm -hmm. of your devices, uh, using appropriate applications for specific uh, lessons or um, work that you're doing. Definitely, definitely. Actually, you and I saw a great lesson, if you want to explain it, about uh, fake images. Where we had students who were looking at an image and they come to certain conclusions on what they see. And then they hear the real backstory of the image where maybe that was Photoshopped and it's representing something that isn't real. So it's, it's really interesting doing lessons like that, having the students really explore and ask questions regarding the images to come to those kind of conclusions that that's not real. That's fake information I'm looking at. Yep. And, you know, and sometimes we also have to teach them context, right? So sometimes, you know, it's okay to have fake images because they could be funny. Mm -hmm. I remember one of the examples, it was, it showed, uh, I think it was like a, a Fortnite character riding a unicorn, you know, and the kids <laughs> like laughed, you know, it was like a silly photo. Uh, but then it was, uh, then they showed like another photo of like a, a, a plane landing behind like a, a high school or something. And it was like, look right. at this. And, you know, it didn't look right. Mm -hmm. And someone is trying to tell you like a fantastical story and they're like, hey, wait a second. I think mm -hmm. this person's trying to fool me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's there's a lot of great examples. There's a, I think we also saw one at Farmingville too, another cool thing that they were doing. Farmingville also was focusing on their superheroes and um, they actually created a three panel comic strip using one of our applications Ooh. where they created characters and wrote out a little skit regarding how they could be a superhero, for example, 
Um, I, I think someone has my password. Well, why do you think someone has your password? Yeah. And then it concludes it's saying, you know, maybe we need to reset our password. So yep. just little skits like that, that they can actually share with other classes too and print out, hang them up, make posters out of them, all kinds of things. I think there's some uh, older people in the community that would benefit from these tips. Yeah. <laughs> how, how often do we, we go up and we just say, oh, you got to change your password. And they're like, oh, I can barely remember the one I have right now. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I, what, at the middle school level, what I really enjoy seeing is when they do a lesson called My Media Usage. And it Ooh. actually takes them through listing the things they do online, the apps they use, and kind of thinking about how often they use them and then listing the things they do offline, and then kind of creating a balance. Can I see that I'm doing too much online YouTube video watching and I'm outside maybe 10 minutes a day? So we have discussions like that on media usage and starting to create a balance of using media in, in our lives. It's really interesting when the students kind of take a look at, wow, how long I'm on online. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's funny now that a lot of our phones, I know the new iPhones have those metrics that yes. will tell you, hey, you're on Twitch a lot. You're on YouTube a lot. You're on TikTok a lot. You're on this. And you start looking. And then because it's giving you the time, you don't realize like, no. hey, if I'm looking at this every few minutes for only like 10, 20 seconds, but it adds up to like four hours, hours. in a day. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, where did all that time go? And as a middle schooler, you're not really salient in the mental capacity of how your time is be, you know, mm -hmm. so these are great tools. And we're also having this show. So parents know that these tools are on the phones, they're in their Google accounts. So you can track how, like even not just that they're on the phone, but you can get very granular. Yes. All right. Yeah. You know, if, you know, if a kid is on the phone for a while and they're doing something that you're okay with, that's great. But you can look and see like, wow, that's a whole lot of TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it usually happens. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're just kind of starting some digital citizenship stuff at the um, high school level, but that's going to focus more on leveraging technology to make yourself more competitive. Like, how do I put myself out there positively mm -hmm. in media? How do I write proper emails professionally? So we have a lot of students. A great example is at the high school level, we have a lot of courses like science research where you basically have to email college professors and hope to get contact with them to maybe talk to them about their research. How do you write an email professionally? How do you write an email for a job interview? How do you how do you interact with these people online? Mm -hmm. Especially now at post-COVID, so many jobs will be digital. We need to put ourselves out there in, in more complex media, video production, audio production. How, how are these things going to connect with my digital footprint? And that's what we're beginning to do at the high school level because those kids are older now. Uh, it's it's hard to go to like a high school junior and be like, are you safe on the internet? Now it's it's time for them to be like, are you being a professional on the internet? Exactly. Uh, exactly. Because and the digital footprint is key. Google your own name and see yep. what comes up because that's what new employers will do, colleges will do. They'll start looking at that digital footprint. So it's important to look yourself and evaluate yep. what you're doing online. And, uh, yeah, and because again, because they're digital natives, all of their activities are digitized and a lot of that stuff lives up there forever and ever and ever. Uh, yeah. so, you know, Kim and I had the wonderful experience of if I did a bonehead move when I was in middle school it, <laughs> it, it, it no one will know about it, right? There's no record of it, yeah. but you do a bonehead move 
middle school now and you put it online, it could live forever. And those are the things that we really want to warn our kids about so they can become, you know, good digital citizens. Exactly. Exactly. And we, we did pick this show topic for a good reason, because something's coming up. Digital citizenship week. Um, we're hoping to participate. We're brainstorming right now some activities that we could hopefully do throughout the buildings. We are doing lessons throughout the year. So what else can we add? Maybe a fun bulletin board or a morning announcement, just reminders of being what a, being a good digital citizenship can look like. And at home, uh, Common Sense Media has some great family activities. If you'd like to go to that website, you can print off all types of activities that you can do. For example, you all sit around and see how much time you've spent online mm -hmm. and comparing those kinds of notes yeah. or activities that they have listed there. They're, they're just fun activities to make you more aware or dinner conversations that you yeah. could have a quick five minute on a, on a common sense media topic. So you can take a look there. Absolutely. In fact, in this podcast description, uh, there'll be a link to the Common Sense Week, or it, I believe it's actually a week from now when this podcast comes out that Digital Citizenship Week starts. And it's an awareness week. It's not like the, the website that I'm sharing will shut anything down. It's You can go there at any time and, and do mm. the family resources. A lot of great family resources on there. Yes, um, yes. And something that we uh, always tell people is if when in doubt, you can always email us here at helpdesk at richfieldps.net if you're curious about resources, how something might work, or if you feel like something strange is going on. If you might see some weird activity on your student's Chromebook or just in general, we're, we're here to help. And that's what we do. Mm -hmm. uh, if you feel a password to compromise or anything like that, we are here to help. So always, uh, it never hurts to be cautious, shoot an email. It's oh, it, it could be nothing, but we, we do respond relatively quickly. And, uh, you know, we're, we're here. That's yes. what we're here for, yeah. right? Um, all right. I think we covered everything we wanted to cover today. Right, Kim? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh, we are super duper excited. So uh, I want to thank Kim for taking the time out of her busy day to oh, be on. Thank this you podcast. for letting us share this important topic. Ooh, And I'm sure we'll have other uh, guests on later in this year. We might have some LMS people on, which would be really awesome uh, mm -hmm. to talk a little bit more about some of the other cool projects we'll be doing considering a digital citizenship. But another cool thing uh, that I need you guys to do, the audience, is tell everyone in town to listen to Ridgefield Tiger Talk. I already got a bunch of listeners, but if you're listening to this podcast, let everyone know. Sing it from the mountaintops that all you have to do is go to your favorite podcasting app. I like to use an app called Podverse, but you can use the Apple app, you use the Google app, you can use Spotify. We're on everything. You just type in Ridgefield and it's going to finish it for you. It'll just go Ridgefield, boom, Tiger Talk, because we are the number one podcast in Ridgefield. And uh, just like and subscribe. So uh, we are super duper happy to be back in our third season here at Ridgefield Tiger Talk. Uh, any closing comments, Kim? No, I think, I think the podcast is great to get this information out to the public and community. And like Wes mentioned, we're always here to help and support. So send us those emails if you have any questions. All right, great. Thank you so much, Kim. And thank you so much for listening. Have a good one.